Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. It's great to be with you today. I am Boyd Matheson. Uh, just as a heads up, we are standing by uh, for an update uh, coming out of Florida relating to the collapse of that condominium. Uh, we know there is one dead and uh, almost 100 that are currently missing. We're expecting an update to be coming soon. We will take that live here on KSL News Radio uh, as it becomes available. In the meantime, I want to shift our conversation uh, in light of uh, a lot of the national conversations we've been having about police reform. Uh, the Supreme Court uh, had a ruling the other day that didn't get uh, a lot of attention in light of some of the other rulings that uh, came down this week from the Supreme Court. This one has to do with some restrictions uh, for law enforcement when they are in pursuit or hot pursuits, as they're often called, uh, dealing with misdemeanors. So to help us break that down and see what it actually means and how it applies uh, we're really pleased to be joined today by Professor, uh, excuse me, Professor Matthew Toxin uh, from the University of Utah, uh, who has a an, an amazing line on his resume. He actually served as law clerk for two uh, Supreme Court justices, uh, the Honorable Ruth Bader Ginsburg and uh, David H. Souter uh, on the United States Supreme Court, and appreciate him uh, joining us on the line, Professor. And uh, helping us break this down. First, uh, give us a, a sense of what did the Supreme Court actually rule in this case? Sure, and uh, thank you. It's great to be here. So um, the Supreme Court in, in the Lang case uh, basically held that the police cannot always follow you in hot pursuit into your home if the crime that they're trying to arrest you for is a misdemeanor. Um, it's generally thought that they can, uh, that the doctrine of hot pursuit generally allows them to go into your house and arrest you if you're a fleeing felon, right? If you've robbed a bank or committed a murder or something like that. And basically what the, what the court has said is, look, there are a lot of misdemeanors out there, some of, some of which are major and some of which are extremely minor. And we don't think that that allows the police to come in and get you, even if you run away from them uh, and make it to your house. Okay. Uh, so, and, and so I do think it's a, an interesting uh, distinction there in terms of when they can and when they can't. As, as you mentioned, Professor, if you've robbed the bank, uh, I think they can go in, follow you in, no problem. Uh, is there anything in this ruling, uh, I, I always worry about giving our law enforcement one more thing they have to think about. Uh, you know, if they're chasing someone, even on a misdemeanor, and they, you know, flee, they end up going into their garage, 
Uh, and, uh, you know, will, will evidence be destroyed? Will they be getting a weapon? You know, are there things that are, are problematic or worrisome uh, in your view in terms of what the court decided? Yeah, I had a, a similar thought when I first uh, read this case, which is that it sort of um, leaves things a bit muddy going forward. Right? The court doesn't actually say we're going to allow it for these um, misdemeanors and not for these or we're going to disallow it for all misdemeanors. They say, well, we'll figure this out in future cases or this will be a case by case determination. Mm. Those are a lot of vagueness for uh, police officers. And then, you know, that might be okay. I, I, I'm not necessarily against, um, you know, broad standards in the law. Sometimes that's necessary. But I'm not sure the benefit of that is that great in this case, where in most situations, the police are going to be able to go into someone's house anyway, under what's called the doctrine of exigent circumstances, where, you know, um, if they think you're going to destroy evidence, or they think you might be dangerous, or or just a whole host of other uh, reasons. Yeah. So I'm not sure it was it was worth the lack of clarity. Yeah, and it seemed to to be that uh, Justice Kagan, who who wrote the majority opinion, uh, acknowledged acknowledged some of that murkiness uh, and that need in some cases for police officers to act quickly. Chief Justice Roberts, uh, who filed a separate opinion that was joined by Justice Alito. Uh, he actually suggested that the case really needed to go back to the state courts uh, and be hashed out there so that there is a little more clarity. Is that right? Well, uh, I mean, that may end up happening uh, in, in any event anyway. where mm-hmm. now going forward, it's sort of up to the lower courts, you know, the state courts and the, the lower federal courts to draw the lines that the Supreme Court uh, didn't. That's pretty common. Um, you know, the Supreme Court rarely says, we're going to set this out uh, <laughs> clearly, <laughs> even even in uh, different cases. So yeah, uh, it, they sort of toss the hot potato to the to the lower courts, especially the state courts, to figure out uh, how to draw these lines. Yeah. Anything else in this case uh, that stood out for you, uh, Professor? We're actually, I'm sorry, Professor. We're going to have to step aside. We're going to go to Florida now for an update uh, on those that are missing. Breaking news here on KSL News Radio. We go live to Miami-Dade County Mayor. Uh, Kava. Encouraging 102 people have been accounted for. That's double what we were able to report last time. So 102 people from the towers, uh, their locations are, are known and they are safe. Uh, we still have at least 99 who are unaccounted for. And right now at our family reunification center up uh, at the Surfside Community Center, uh, the, the families are being briefed. Uh, so that they know which are the ones that are accounted for. So they've been seeking that information, and for those uh, family members of 102, we've been able to provide some good news. Um, For anybody who has information or seeking information, we urge you to use our hotline 305-614-1819, 305-614-1819. We also have uh, assembled a tremendous uh, support system. We have uh, food, we have hotel rooms, we have uh, social services, uh, medicine assistance, uh, chaplains, uh, and the Carl Gables Community Foundation and the Key Biscayne Foundation have joined forces to create a special emergency fund, which is available at supportsurfside.org. So uh, we are here, and then to say uh, most importantly, I believe, is that I have just signed an emergency order. The governor has on his desk 
his emergency order, and with that, we will get the support from the federal agency FEMA. The president has pledged that support, and so uh, shortly uh, these orders will go forward, and we will be able to bring, in addition, FEMA federal assistance to uh, this site and to the, the families who are, are suffering. Uh, so uh, we are all praying, we are all crying, we are all here with the suffering families, and uh, we urge everyone to join us in prayers and in hopes uh, that we can still continue. We are continuing for our search and rescue effort. Eh, aquí estamos, eh, 15 horas más o menos desde el principio de esa emergencia. You're listening y to a live press, press conference from Miami-Dade County Mayor uh, Daniela Levincava. Uh, as is their tradition there, they do their press conferences both in English and in Spanish. Uh, she's currently delivering some of that message in Spanish. Just as an update, she said that 102 uh, people have been accounted for, uh, that they've been able to reunite uh, and connect with their family members. Uh, there are also 99 people who remain unaccounted for, and of course, one fatality in that. Again, we're listening live to press conference in Miami-Dade County. It's the mayor of Miami-Dade County, Daniela Levine-Cava. Uh, she's currently uh, just addressing the uh, top-line numbers and issues for these families, this unification, 102 that have been accounted for and connected with their families, 99 remain unaccounted for, and one uh, death tragically uh, in that case at the moment. And uh, we'll go back uh, to this uh, press conference happening live in Miami-Dade County. Y también tenemos ahora recursos de la Fundación de Coral, Gables, uh, Fundación de Coral Gables Community Foundation, Key Biscayne Foundation y eh, Miami Foundation. Y juntos ellos eh, tienen un fondo que se llama supportsurfside.org. Eh, Y finalmente yo acabé de firmar un orden de emergencia de este desastre. Y el gobernador... Uh, we're listening to the press conference happening in Miami-Dade County. It's currently, uh, the mayor is uh, speaking in Spanish. They do all the press conferences in English and Spanish. We're going to step aside for a quick commercial break. We'll come back with more live coverage from uh, Miami-Dade County here on KSL News Radio. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.